Today on Let the Bible Speak. God once commanded his own prophet to marry a woman a godly man would have a hard time loving. But through that marriage, God teaches us one of the greatest truths of all time. Greetings and welcome to Let the Bible Speak Today. I hope you'll spend the next few minutes with me and open the Word of God, and I think it'll be worth your time. I think if you'll behold with me the picture that God is painting in our scripture text through one of His ancient prophets, we can have an even deeper appreciation for our relationship to the God who made us, or the relationship that He perhaps desires to yet have with you. I'm reading now from the Old Testament book of Hosea, and I'll read two passages to set the stage for the story that's told in this little but very important book. Hosea chapter 1 beginning in verse 2 says, When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the son of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it reads, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver and one and one-half homers of barley, and I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days." What a strange story. What a strange circumstance. Why would God command one of His people, a preacher no less, to marry such a woman in the first place? And then why would He send him back to get her after she betrayed and cheated on him as God knew that she would? Well, it's not a harlequin romance. It's a brutally honest and yet surprisingly tender Old Testament picture of the relationship between man and his God. And it's one of the most powerful illustrations of what is in the heart of God. Today our sermon is entitled, Loving the Unlovable. And I'll return with that after a song. Oh 
Of all of the places you would expect to find a godly preacher, a slave market, purchasing an immoral woman to be his wife, is probably not one of them. But that's exactly where we find the prophet Hosea thousands of years ago. And to top it all off, God sent him there. It's such a shocking scenario until many Bible scholars and commentators haven't quite known what to make of it. Some have alleged that surely this didn't really happen, so they say that Hosea simply had a vision about these things or that God inspired him to construct this story as a parable or an illustration. But there is absolutely nothing in the text to indicate that. I think we have to simply face the facts as Hosea recorded them and come to see that God was powerfully teaching his people a lesson through the life of this great man and through his very unusual circumstance. It certainly makes for a riveting drama, but that's not the point. It's not so much the story of Hosea and his family as it is the story of God and his family. Now first there was the original command for Hosea to marry this woman. God said to him in Hosea chapter 1 beginning in verse 2, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. And in verse 3, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now you can read those first few verses alone and immediately know that Hosea had much bigger problems than just being married to a woman with a name like Gomer. God commanded him to go and marry an immoral woman and to have a family with her. Now I believe when the Bible calls her a wife of harlotry, that what God is doing is looking at her character and into the future. In other words, it wasn't that she was a harlot when Hosea married her, but rather that God told him to marry a woman that he knew would not be faithful to him. Notice God calls her a wife of harlotry, and they would have children of harlotry. And I think what that means is that's the kind of wife and mother that Gomer would turn out to be. A woman who in time would forsake her vows and turn to an adulterous, sinful, and immoral life. And that's not too hard to imagine because unfortunately we see many marriages all around us just like that today. We see many who enter into the holy estate of matrimony, but they don't keep their vows. They sin against God in so doing and against the marriage and they uh, eventually abandon the marriage altogether and go find another one. You know, there are many people living in relationships that are forbidden by God today because of the sin of adultery. Uh, they are not married to the person that they promise to love and cherish and be faithful to until death do part. But instead they found someone else and they left one marriage to go to another. Some people multiple times. Well, friend, the Bible calls that adultery, and it's wrong in the eyes of God. But here God prompted Hosea to enter a marriage with a woman who would turn out just that way. Why would he do that? Well, God wasn't playing some cruel joke on Hosea, and he wasn't conducting some type of social experiment. But rather, he was using the sinfulness of this woman and the heartbroken faithfulness of Hosea to awaken his people to the things they spiritually were doing in their relationship to God. Look again at verse 2. He says, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now you see, Hosea was like many of the other prophets, charged by God with upbraiding the people for turning away from the Lord and practicing idolatry. And I want to point out that there is nothing, I repeat, nothing more offensive to God than worshiping something or someone else besides Him. It was the first commandment given unto Israel to not have other gods before Him. 
And yet that has been the greatest temptation and the most oft-recurring sin among God's people since near the beginning of time and remains so today. Now don't get the idea that idolatry is just some innocent, ignorant, and superstitious practice involving statues and graven images. That's bad enough, but there's much more to it than that. Idolatry is the worship of anything or anyone else besides God. Idolatry means that that person is giving their heart and their homage to something or someone besides the only one who is worthy of it, and that is the God who created us. Now, yes, an idol may be a statue, and it may be a carved image. It may take the form in people's minds of nature or man's personification of nature. And there's plenty of all of that in our world even today. But idolatry is much more prevalent than just those things. An idol can be money or material things or fame or an athlete or a team, a movie star, a musician, a politician like the Caesars of ancient Rome. Even some of them demanded the worship of their subjects. The state or a government itself or human learning and philosophy and on and on we could go. But you see in all of those things ultimately the idol becomes us. Idolatry, according to Romans chapter 1, is born out of the desire to be free from God's sovereign rule over us. And so we fill the vacuum left when we rid our hearts of God and we make a God in His place that is or represents what we want it to represent, which ultimately means that that God is the person Himself. So maybe that helps us understand why God abhors idolatry as much as He does. And time and again throughout the history of Israel as a people, the nation turned to the gods of the Canaanites, the gods of the Moabites, and all of the other Ains and Ites instead of worshiping and obeying God alone. And that greatly angered God. And it angers God when people do that today. And God's wrath burned hot against the people when they got involved in idolatry and His punishments were severe. But you see, God had a plan for Hosea's family, just like He had plans for His people, the Israelites. And interestingly, God knew the temptation and the propensity of His people would be to betray Him and practice idolatry, but yet He still called them to Himself as a people. Well, see, God knew what Hosea's wife was capable of. And He knew that this marriage would get off to a rocky beginning, and it certainly did. By the time that we get to chapter 2, the prediction had come to pass. And we find Gomer betraying Hosea and falling into another man's arms. She abandoned her husband and her home and found herself living a wanton life of adultery and harlotry. Now she was a picture of the nation of Israel, whom God had chosen so many years and generations before, but who had since been unfaithful to Him. And not only that, they had been unfaithful to Him again and again and again. Now, in this story in Hosea, three children were born to the short-lived union of Hosea and Gomer. And each of them were given names that represented things such as judgment and shame and sorrow and punishment. The first son was named Jezreel, which means to scatter. The second was a daughter, and she was named uh, Lurahama, which means she has not obtained mercy. The third was a son, Loami, which means not my people. 
And remember, names had great meaning in Bible days, and in this case, each one is a picture of what would happen to the sons and daughters of Israel due to the unfaithfulness of God's bride, the Israelite nation. Here is a family ruined by sin, and sin will ruin your family. In fact, any time a home is broken up, parents split up, adultery is committed, regardless of what the circumstances may be, whenever marriage vows are forsaken, I'll promise you this, somewhere there is always sin involved. And every person in that home will pay a heavy price in one way or another. That's the state of Hosea's home. Hosea chapter 2 paints a very sad picture of where sin had put Israel in the eyes of God. But yet the most amazing part, and the point that God wanted to drive home to His people in this story, was that He had not stopped loving them, and He still wanted a relationship with them. Now, He could not tolerate their sin and their idolatry, but His love would draw them back to His arms, and He wanted to forgive, and He desired repentance, and He desired a new relationship where things were like they were meant to be in the beginning. But Gomer was a long ways away. Her life is a wreck. She has left a loving, caring, and providing husband, and has prostituted herself to others. And when we come to chapter 3, she is standing in a slave market being sold to the next person who would use and defile her. Now that too is a picture of where sin leaves the sinner. It's where sin left Israel and her idolatry and her disobedience to God. It's where sin will leave you and leave me if we forsake the Lord our God and His will and we turn to sin and live for the flesh. It's an ugly portrait of God's creation, ruined and disgraced by evil and sold out to sin. And when you give yourself over to the flesh and the passions of sin, listen to me, friend, you become chained hand and foot to the devil himself, whether you realize it at the time or not. Ironically, many people choose sinful lives thinking that that makes them free to live like they want to. They're tired of the confinement of godly and holy living. They're tired of being faithful to God, and they throw off the harness, and they think they have the power to do as they please and chart their own course. How terribly naive and pathetically deceived the devil causes us to be. Peter said of those drawn away from the truth and the false teachers who deceive them, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? You're somebody's servant today. You're either the servant of the Lord or you're the servant of the devil. And Solomon said in Proverbs 5 and verse 22, His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. Here now is Gomer, used up, disgraced, broken, hopeless, defiled, and dirty, standing in a slave market. And God sends Hosea there to find her and to once again marry her. Imagine it. 
Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. Surely people wondered why Hosea, that great and holy man of God, was going to a slave market. But if that surprised them, how much more when they saw who he went there seeking? He had suffered a great tragedy in his home. His wife had deserted him. She had become a harlot. She had left the sweetness of a godly home and gone out to sow her wild oats and have a good time. But now, how her charms have faded. And here she is being sold at public auction as a slave. You know, by anybody's account, Hosea should have been the last person on earth that day going to that filthy place. But he did go. How could he do it? Well, Peter said love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. And Hosea's love had quite a multitude of sins to cover. It's hard to imagine him loving a woman like that, even if she had once been his wife, but he did. And this prophet of God becomes a portrait of God. And that's what I want us to see. Hosea 3 describes how Hosea reached deep into his pocket, and it seems from the text that he gave every last thing he could scrape up to redeem this wretched woman and bring her home. A few coins and what he couldn't pay in coins he would give in grain from the field. In other words, it was a costly love to him. But he loved her enough to pay it so that he could bring her home and give her a new life that she didn't deserve. What a love. It was a love that endured the embarrassment. It was a love that looked beyond himself and his heart that had been broken a thousand times over. And he swallowed his pride and he humbled himself for a woman who had humiliated herself. It was a deep and a true love for the woman herself and his great desire for her to be a faithful wife and mother and for them to have a holy and happy relationship. Well, you see, I hope the real picture God is painting, I hope we can see the real picture that God is painting here. And that's how God felt about His people. She had sinned. She had been punished. She was going to be exiled. But God, through her punishment and through her sorrow, was working to fulfill His promise to her, and that is His bride Israel. So Hosea brings her home. He tenderly tells her how things must be. There had to be repentance. There had to be a change. Gomer would have to go through a period of discipline, as would Israel. In chapter 3, God speaks of Israel's being sent into captivity, losing their sovereignty and their home. But then he prophesied that eventually they would return and they would seek David their king, which refers to Christ, the seed of David, and the true Israel that would be reconciled to God through Christ in the gospel age. What a promising picture that touches all of us today. Despite what Gomer had done, Hosea would marry her again and establish a new family. And in this restored relationship, God was expressing His plans to take Israel, despite her sin, and cleanse her and remake her and bless the world through her. In other words, all of this points to the fact that one day her Messiah and His kingdom would come and all of God's plans and purposes through her would be fulfilled to the human family. And my friend, that came to pass many years later in Jesus Christ, the Son of David, and His present kingdom. 
There's so much more in the narrative that we could tell and scriptures that we could examine, but that's the snapshot of this strange but beautiful story. In God showing Hosea how to love an unlovable woman, He was not only teaching His people back then, He by extension shows us today how He Himself loves the unlovable. The book of Hosea may be a picture of Israel's history, but it's by extension a picture of your history and mine. God created us in His image and for His glory. He made man wanting a loving relationship with man, but He also made us creatures with a choice. And He knew, therefore, that sin would eventually enter the picture and ruin the relationship. And you may yet be in your sins today, and you're far from God and sold out to sin and to this wicked and cruel world. You stand in the devil's slave market and can only hang your head before God in shame. But God showed up, and in His tender mercy He made the most supreme sacrifice He could ever make. He gave His precious and beloved Son as a ransom for you, and He wants to redeem you. That's the definition of love. And it's a hard heart that would reject such love and spurn such salvation. Many years ago it said that a man in a mental institution died. When they cleaned out his room, they found scrawled on the wall these immortal words that we have sang for generations. And they're some of my favorite in all of the world of hymns. Could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the sky of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. And we then sing a chorus, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and the angels' song. And friend, God loves you because He created you. He has a purpose for you. It doesn't have anything to do with your job. It doesn't have anything to do with your earthly circumstance. He created you for eternal glory. But maybe today you stand in sin. Maybe today you have rebelled against God. And maybe today you stand a guilty and a far distance from Him. He loves you and He's searching for you. And He wants you to repent. And He wants to be restored to you. And He wants to bring you home to Him and to live with you forever. That's a true love story. And that's the story of Hosea. It's the story of God's Word.
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos, including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Perhaps you've reached the point that sin has left you in the same place that Gomer was so long ago. You're standing in the slave market of sin, ruined, and your life in shambles. There is a God who loves you. There's a Savior who's searching for you. And He came down to this slave market of sin, and He offered all that He had in order to bring you to Himself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried and that He rose again and now reigns on high as the Christ of God, the King of all kings and Lord of lords? Then are you ready to surrender your life to Him as King and as Lord? Then today I urge you to obey the gospel. If you have faith that Jesus is the Son of God and are ready to repent of your sins, make the good confession. You need to be immersed today in water for the remission of your sins. And it would be our delight and our joy to see you do that very thing. If you'd like a copy of our lesson, Loving the Unlovable, mention it by that title when you get in touch with us and we'll be happy to send you a free transcript. And feel free to share that with other people as well. You can find us online, ltbstv.org. And remember our various social media pages on those platforms. You search for Let the Bible Speak TV as well as our podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, search for Let the Bible Speak TV and subscribe. And uh, again, share the program with your friends and your neighbors and family online. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And if God is willing, I'll plan to meet you back here next time for another period of Bible study. And I hope you'll tell someone else to join us then as well. Have a great week. And until we meet again, may the Lord watch over you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.